Welcome back, everyone, to Your Life, God's Word, where we take the principles found in Scripture and we apply them to our everyday lives, those areas that are most important, faith, family, and community. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome back. We are here, Your Life, God's Word, and just as the intro said, we are taking the Word of God and applying God's Word to every part of our lives. And uh, thank you for joining us. If this is your first time, don't forget to smash that subscribe button and uh, comment. If you like the video, comment. If you hate the video, comment. If you think I'm right on, comment. If you think I'm completely bonkers, comment. <laughs> uh, I'd like to know that, but also uh, uh, let's get some dialogue and interaction going. If, you, if this isn't your first time, but you've not done those things before, like the video. If you liked the last video, like this one too. The more likes and subscribes and things that we get, the more that we can generate a, a better audience and crowd and uh, maybe even get some, some discussion and stuff going on and be able to address questions and, and get some interaction. Uh, we are on Spotify and other podcast platforms if you'd like to listen to these on the go or whatnot, as well as the YouTube channel. I highly recommend uh, subscribing to both because on the YouTube channel, we also uh, do live sermons and like some of our Wednesday night studies and stuff we'll do there. And of course, you can follow us on uh, Facebook, Breadbreakers Church right there on Facebook. And uh, again, message us, let us know how we're doing, uh, or if you'd like to come check us out. We are continuing on. This is a part two of the, the, the midweek podcast. We don't do a whole lot of those, but the midweek podcast that we did regarding Israel, Hamas, Hezbollah, all this stuff that's going on. And uh, in that particular uh, episode, I basically just dealt with the the context of war as it relates to what's going on in the world. And I tried my best. I tried my best. Maybe I did not succeed, but I tried my best to uh, point out just a couple of things. One, we need to have a balanced, holistic pullback and really look at this view uh, through the lens of Scripture. And second... I try to show uh, the view of the scriptural view of things like warfare uh, in general. So if I didn't accomplish those things, let me know and I'll, I'll be happy to go back in and try to do it again. And I spent a lot of time just talking about uh, the, the current situation with the war. Our prayers ultimately are with the people that are innocent, with Israel. Uh, with the Palestinians that are have nothing to do with this, they they don't they're not down with Hamas. They don't support Hamas. They just happen to be living in you know the Gaza Strip or whatever. We need, our prayers need to be for the protection of the innocent all around, and of course that God will be able to come in, intervene, and be uh, the Lord and King in this situation, because most of the time, right, war and all this stuff comes from the fact that we are not bowing the knee to Jesus Christ and living according to his, uh, will and his word and his direction. So check out that episode. But I made mention that I wanted to talk about all of this. Uh, of course, there's a lot of, um, uh, a lot of people out there talking about this is the last days. Jesus is coming. Maranatha. Jesus is coming. Any second now. You might as well just go quit your job and um, uh, just just go jump off the roof because you know the rapture is going to happen any day now. And uh, of course you're seeing that. 
Of course, every time there's anything bad or anything significant or pretty much just anything different or new, people try to twist it and make it to where it somehow fits biblical prophecy. And of course, Jesus is coming back any second. Um, with the, the blood moons a couple of years ago, that was a big deal. With every war that ever happens, I mean, pretty much almost any world leader of any significance, could this be the Antichrist? I mean, this is just the way, this is just the way things happen. I think some of it is uh, fear just tends to sell better a lot of times. And also people like to get it hyped up and uh, of course get books sold and movie deals and you know more people coming to their church and that kind of thing. Let me say a few things here to, to kick this off though. First and foremost, anytime somebody comes to God, anytime somebody comes to the scriptures, comes to Jesus Christ, I'm happy that happens. If somebody comes in with a false notion that, oh my goodness, I better get right with God because everything's going to be over in three days, and then they come and they get right with God legitimately, and then three days passes and nothing, stuff just keeps going on, I'm glad that they came and bowed the knee to Jesus, and now they're on the road to discipleship. Um, That's a good thing. Uh, so I'm not trying to down that or anything like that. That's number one. It's a good thing when people come to Christ, no matter what's going on. If it comes because of a war that's happening in the news or because of a tragedy in their own lives or just because they're tired of doing it without God. Um, great. Awesome. Uh, the second thing is, the second thing I want to I want to kind of go into this, right? Some guiding principles. Second is, I don't believe in using the newspaper to translate the Bible. I believe in using the Bible to translate the Bible. So a lot of times when I look at things, when I try to understand the language of what what does Jesus mean here, what do the apostles say, that kind of stuff, before I go and check somebody's book about what prophet so-and-so said or pastor so-and-so said, before I go check the newspaper and try to fit, maybe this could be this and maybe this could be that, I'd rather just let the Bible explain itself as much as that's possible, as much as it does. And you, I think you'd find, I think you'll find, it, it, the Bible actually explains itself a whole lot more than people want to give it credit. Uh, and I say the Bible. God explains himself in the Bible a, lot, a whole lot more than people want to give him credit. And uh, let me give you an example on this point number two, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not old enough to really remember the Reagan, the Ronald Reagan presidency, but I do, I am aware that people thought that he could be the Antichrist because his name was Ronald Wilson Reagan. All three of his names, first, middle, and last, have six letters. Ronald Wilson Reagan, 666. There was an assassination attempt on his on him where he got shot and people were linking like, you know, the beast has a wound that heals and all this stuff. Hitler was, uh, Mussolini was, both of these guys, they were the beast, the Antichrist, they, you know, all this stuff. Turns out they weren't. And uh, time and time again, right, 88 Reasons, right, there was a popular book, 88 Reasons Why God's Coming Back in 1988. Let's see, I'm not super good at math on the fly, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet that 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 didn't happen, okay? Uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses have uh, actually and some of their older literature, I'm not sure how much they've scrubbed all this stuff, but I think you can still go and kind of track this and see this. They've had a couple of iterations where they said the, that God is coming back, and I think 
what they ended up doing, of course, they changed their literature and stuff, but what they ended up doing was coming out and saying, well, he did come back, but it was a, a spiritual, a spiritual coming back. And that's not what they meant. But people just all over the board have eggs, eggs, egg all over their faces because people try to predict stuff and they're just totally wrong. Right? And a lot of it is because they look at a situation and they take the Bible to, and make it fit. And you can do that almost all the time. You can make the Bible fit almost any set of circumstances if you just twist this word, twist that word. Well, really, that means this. Really, that means that. So I like the Bible interpreting the Bible. If the Bible says a war is fought with arrows, I would first rather see, well, maybe it's talking about fighting with arrows before I go and translate arrows into atom bombs. Okay? Now, if the Bible is kind of vague on it or it's possible, that's the... Okay, fine. Uh, but I, again, Bible interpreting Bible first. Uh, so that's that's kind of my, you know, the second thing. Bible interpret Bible. First and foremost, I'm, I'm glad when people come to God. Of course, you should be, I should be. That's amazing. That's a wonderful thing. Um, so a couple of guiding principles there. Um, number three is, uh, I, I don't... I don't, I don't know that we should really have like serious, like dogmatic, like I can't even be in fellowship with you fights over some of these eschatological ideas. Uh, I do think that it can really be detrimental if you get things wrong and, and the way you live your life, the way that you approach the gospel, the way that you approach living in society. Um, but I, I don't know that it's worth, you know, completely just disfellowshipping and people are in heresy depending on how far they go with their with their theology. I think we really need to have a big tent, lots of room for discussion and people to 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 have differing opinions and let's hear them out. Let's listen, let's open our eyes. So many people are so dogmatic, they won't even listen to the uh, uh, the possibility that they're that they're wrong. And I know a lot of people that don't even study the Bible for themselves, but they're so anchored into a position because that's how they grew up and that's what their pastor says. And yet they've never, they're, they're literally hanging their hat, not on Jesus, but on their pastor's word. That's silly. So again, just a few guiding principles there. Let's, let's have discourse, discussion. Let the Bible interpret the Bible. And of course, anytime, no matter what the reason, if people are coming to God, that's a good thing. I, I just pray and hope that they stick, right? So now let's dive in a little bit. I tried to think about what's a good place to go to 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 figure out why people are like look Israel's being attacked uh must be the time of the end must be you know must be the last days but we must be we must be wrapping it up any any second now um I think Matthew 24 is a good place to go because it's just one of the big ones and I'm not planning on hitting every topic today. I mean, this would be hours upon hours upon hours. I may touch a little bit on the like the Antichrist or or the Beast or maybe go to Revelation a little bit or whatever. But I, what I am, what I am trying to focus on right now, really, is is the war that's going on in Israel right now some kind of indication of some things prophetically in the Bible? Is it? I, I would like you to tell me. If there are other places that I should go and expound or do a, do a discussion like this. Matthew 24 is what a lot of people bring up. They talk about, you know, wars and rumors of wars. Well, when you see, when you see Israel surrounded, you know, all this stuff. And so that's where I'm going to 
draw most of the time here and spend most of most of my time in discussion here. Here is my desire. My desire is not to prove you wrong or prove your pastor wrong or um, my desire is to get you to think outside of what you already believe. Is it possible that what you believe about these things needs some tweaking? Maybe it's right in three out of 10 areas, but the other seven need work. Or maybe it's seven out of 10, but there's three that need work. Uh, I believe that my position, I believe that what I what I think the Bible teaches is open for discussion, and there's there's got to be areas where I just, I'm wrong. I, I don't have, when I really don't know, I don't have super firm reason to believe something, I don't like dig my heel, I try, let me, let me say this, I try not to dig my heels in and be dogmatic about it. So I would say I probably am less wrong than other people, because I, I don't claim to be right when I when I don't feel like I have really solid biblical evidence for it. Um, however, even in the areas where I believe I am correct about this in the scriptures, I'm sure there are places where I am incorrect. Feel free to point them out in a comment on this video after you like the video. Because if you plan to comment, then you must at least like the fact that you get to prove me wrong. Okay, and again, I'm serious that if you have uh, some kind of specific a verse or something that, or, or a chapter, or you didn't go here. What about here? What about that? Send the questions. I'll look at it. It doesn't mean I have all the answers right away, but I'll look at it, study it, and, and get back with you. So here we go. We're going to go to uh, Matthew 24, the big one, right? The big chapter. Here it is. I'm reading from the ESV, right? Just a standard modern. Uh, version of the Bible, nothing tricky here going on or anything. This is very commonly used. Uh, and so it, I just, I like the ESV, so I use it a lot. You can go back to a lot of these podcasts and you'll see that I read out of the ESV um, currently. So I like other versions. There's a lot of other versions I like. I like HCSB, right? Where it talks, it, it named Yahweh in the Old Testament instead of saying Lord or whatever. I love that. Um, I love the, uh, the NIV. Uh, anyway, Jesus left the temple, this is verse 1 of chapter 24, Matthew, uh, and was going away when his disciples came to point out, when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, you see all these things, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Let me draw your attention to there is a temple standing, right? This is the temple that was there in Jesus's day, and in the Bible, there is no indication, there's no verse in the Bible that claims that after the destruction of this temple, that there will be a rebuilding, like a, a third, another temple. There's no, there's no verse in the Bible that says that. Okay, so there's this temple that is standing. They think it's awesome. It's amazing. Wow. And Jesus says it's all going to be destroyed. Verse three, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, he's on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Some translations say the end of the world. They were not asking about the end of the earth, the end of the cosmos. Uh, the word world there is not the cosmos. It is the age. And that's why most of the modern versions translate it as the end of the age. Okay? And I've heard people make a whole lot of like draw a whole lot of importance to, no, 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 they're asking him three different things. When will these things be? What's the sign of your coming? And what's the end of the age? 
okay? But I will draw your attention to the parallel passage. The parallel passage is, one of the parallel passages, is in Luke 21, and we'll be going there a little bit here and there to show another uh, another version of this. And um, in this version, Luke 21 and 5 says, And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Okay, so it sounds very familiar. And they asked him, Teacher, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? That's it. No, nothing about the end of the world or the end of the age or whatever. To make a huge doctrinal deal about the fact that Matthew adds, you know, puts in this and the end of the age, that's probably what they said, right? Luke trimmed it down a little bit. They were asking that, but maybe he wasn't giving everything. But it's obvious that it's it's not super important that there were actually three different things being asked. Okay? That's that's all I'm saying. Doesn't seem to be all that important to Luke or Mark, but here we have the when was you know the end of the age. And of course, what was that age? What was the end of the age? There was they were coming upon a precipice when they were going to enter into the new covenant, the New Testament age, right? Verse four. Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Right? There, there were earthquakes and famines. There was a huge earthquake that rocked Laodicea, for instance. We know about this historically. We know in the Bible, it talks about the famine that came over all the world, air quotes, right? And we know that happened. Uh, actually, Agabus uh, prophesied this in, um, in the book of Acts. And the Bible literally says this came about uh, this is Acts 11.28, if you want to go look at it, that it actually already happened. Wait, a famine in all the world? You mean the American Indians were under a famine? No, the word world there doesn't mean the whole earth or the whole cosmos or whatever. It means the known, that general region is what that word means, okay? Go, go, look for, go look at it for yourself. Don't go to Blue Letter Bible, free online resource, you can go check out what I'm saying and see if what I'm saying is true. Okay? Uh, so, verse 9, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation, put you to death. Okay, who's the, who is he talking to here? Who's asking the question? The disciples. Then they will deliver who up? You up. To tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Let's stop there. Uh, oh, all nations, that means, you know, that hasn't happened yet because, you know, all over the world, you know, there were people that, you know, that hadn't even heard the gospel yet in uh, in North America. Uh, again, the term all nations, all the world, these things are used often throughout the scriptures. First uh, Chronicles 14, 17 uh, says that, the Lord brought the fame of David to all the lands and all the nations. 
he, he wasn't talking about the people of Australia. Okay? Uh, Psalm 118.10, all right? David is talking in this psalm. It says, all the nations surround him. Once again, once again, right? He isn't talking about people in Panama and South America. So we need to get these things uh, right. Otherwise, we will get our theology, our eschatology wrong. Okay? So he's talking to you will be given up. You will be put to death. You will be hated by all nations. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So people will say right there, right? The end can't come because uh, all nations, the gospel is preached to the, you know, the entire world. I will have you know that during the time of the apostles, this was fulfilled. How do we know? Bible interpreting Bible. Colossians 1.6 and Colossians 1.23 says that the gospel has already been preached to the entire world and to all creation under heaven. This is Paul writing to the Colossians saying this is already fulfilled. In Romans, the same thing. Paul says that the gospel has gone to all the earth and uh, to all the ends of the world. And he says in uh, Romans 16.25 through 26, the mystery had been made known to all nations. Once again, when they use this language, they aren't thinking the entire globe, the indigenous people of the Amazon have heard the gospel. That is not what they are talking about. All right? So to say, well, that hasn't happened yet, it actually has happened. The, the Bible says it happened. I'm just using the Bible to interpret the Bible rather than somebody's opinion or the newspaper or a pamphlet or whatever. Okay, so we're in verse 15 now. We're in verse 15. So when you see, who? When who sees? When who sees this? When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Okay, hold on a minute. <clears throat> the abomination of desolation? That seems super, that sounds super ominous. Surely that is some futuristic... Uh, you know, apocalyptic war going on. It's the abomination of desolation. Okay, let's go back to Luke chapter 21, the same place, the same place where we were before, where Jesus is speaking about this and, and Luke is recording it, okay? In verse 20, Luke 21, 20, it says, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. It's the exact same phrase. But in Matthew, he says abomination of desolation. And in Luke, he says the abomination that causes desolation. It's, it, it's something that comes and it causes desolation. How are they going to get away from it? What are they going to do? How in the world will they, I mean, will they survive this desolation? Well, he says, flee to the mountains. You're here in Judea. Just go to the mountains out there. Let the one who's on the housetop not go down to take what's in the house. 
and let the one who's in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for uh, women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation, such as not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days have been cut short. Then if anyone says to you, look, here's Christ, or there he is, don't believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So if they say to you, look, he's in the wilderness, do not go out. They say, look, he's in the inner rooms, don't believe it. For as lightning comes from the east and shines far from the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. The corpse, right? He's painting a picture of desolation, of death, right? The vultures are coming to gather around the, co the corpse. And how are they to get away? What are they supposed to do? Just go to the hills. Go to the, go to the mountains outside of, outside of Judea right here. Well, if this is some kind of cataclysmic, world-destructive, end-times, you know, nuclear holocaust, how is going a few miles to the mountains going to get them away from this? What? That, that doesn't make any sense. The mountains are going to be leveled. We're, going to, we're all dead. It's nuclear holocaust. Or maybe it's not. Maybe he's talking about something that's much more local, much more right there in Jerusalem, in Judea. And in order to get away from it, you just have to go outside of that. Okay. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They'll see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Surely, this is talking about the end of days, the destruction of the universe. I mean, the, the sun, the moon. Except, dear friends, when we go to the book of Acts, chapter 2, we see that Peter is preaching a sermon. And he says, uh, this that is happening right here today is a fulfillment of the prophet Joel. What is that fulfillment? Okay, this is verse 16 of chapter 2, Acts chapter 2. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel in the last days. So Peter is saying, Joel prophesied about the last days, and this is happening right now. So... The day of Pentecost, 2,000 years ago-ish, is the last days already, okay? And in the last days, it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I'll pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Now that's great, but he keeps going, right? Yeah, the pouring out of the Spirit and all that. That's, that's prophesied in the last days. But look what else Joel prophesied about that Peter says is fulfilled. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs on earth below, blood, fire, vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What? The moon turned to blood and the sun turned to darkness? What? What? 
If you study, and I'm not going to go into a deep study of this, unless you comment, somebody says, hey, please expound, please explain, please go into a little more detail. Um, because you can go back into the Old Testament and you see this language in various places, various prophetic books, where, say, the destruction of Jerusalem by Babylon, and, and we know that's what they were talking about. And they use the same kind of language, destruction, you know, the, the, the blackening of the, of the sun, the falling of the stars, the leveling of the mountains and all this stuff. This is prophetic language that is common throughout the Bible, common throughout the Bible. Say it one more time, common throughout the Bible. Okay. It's very, um, powerful language generally that is, uh, talking about the destruction of one like system, like uh, governmental system type of thing, or a uh, system that governs the affairs of men and the implementation of a new one. All right. That, that, that's what, it, I mean, Jerusalem conquered by Babylon, sun, moon, stars, right? All that stuff. The implementation of the new covenant, the old covenant kind of going away, new covenant coming in, sun, moon, stars, things going black, right? Earth shattering. This kind of language is all over. It's in Ezekiel, Isaiah, Revelation, right here in the book of Acts. Okay. And I didn't say, well, maybe this, this is fulfilled in Acts where, where Joel talks about the destruction of the universe type of stuff. No, Peter said that. Bible interpreting Bible. This has already happened. Wow. And so we are in uh, Matthew 24. We have just read about the elect and, and all of that. Remember in Luke 21, that's, the par that's a parallel passage. Go read it. He talks about the, um, uh, the city being surrounded by armies, right? Flee to the mountains. Verse 23, this is Luke 21, 23, the parallel passage to Matthew 24. Alas for women who are pregnant, those who are nursing infants in those days, for there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Wait a minute. All that language in Matthew 24, but Matthew doesn't specifically say, hey, this is talking about Jerusalem destroyed by the Gentiles, whereas Luke kind of reveals that part, right? Well, did that happen? When did that happen? We know that happened. It happened in 70 AD. You, historically, you can go look. Titus comes in, right? They had had enough of the rebellion and, and the revolts and stuff from the Jewish people, and there was a huge battle, and they came in and had to uh, work their way through the different uh, bulwarks and stuff that they'd set up because the Jews were, they were bad to the bone, dude. Um, I, I was watching something uh, a little while back and at one point, the the Jews were, you know, in, in barricaded in, they're in the city, which is huge and there's different parts of the city where they could, they could set up defenses and if those defenses fell, they would fall back to the next set of defenses, almost like, a, you know, a fortress within a fortress. And they did that like, I think two times or three times before the whole city fell. But during the time, uh, the, the Romans are, are, are coming against, you know, hitting it with battering rams and stuff. And the Jews dug a tunnel up underneath the city and came out on the other side 
where the Romans were and attacked them and burnt some of their battering rams, you know, that kind of stuff. Maybe they weren't called battering rams, but you know what I mean. And, and then went back down the tunnel. I mean, it was it was a battle, man. It was it was brutal. And the Romans won and they annihilated the city and destroyed the temple. It's a historical fact. You can go look it up. You can do some study on that. Um, but why am I saying that? I thought I said Bible interpreting Bible. Well, here's one where, where here's one of those instances where the fulfillment of it doesn't happen in the scriptures because everything that we have in the scripture is talking about something in the future. But they give in the Bible here, they give us indicators of when it will happen and what it's going to look like. We've already come up on a couple of indicators. The first indicator is the audience indicator. You will see these things. You can escape. You should pray that your flight is not in the winter, right? He's talking to you. You you guys listening to me. Second, we see that in order to escape this, you just go outside of Judea, right? See those mountains over there? You go to the mountains. Well, that doesn't sound like a worldwide nuclear holocaust, right? And we're going to come up on another one, a very powerful indicator in just a second. But the, keep this in mind. Jesus is foretelling something that's in the future. And at the end of the Bible, the end of the book of Revelation, it had not yet happened, right? In in history, there's a lot of prophetic leaning up to it and talking about it and putting it in like prophetic language and stuff. But it had not actually happened in history yet. In the book of Revelation, you can see, or at least it certainly seems, that the temple is still standing because John references the temple, right? So then we go to verse 32. I'm, I'm in Matt, Matthew 24, back to Matthew 24. Remember, we read through verse 31 where it talks about his elect and they're going to gather his, his elect. Um, and verse 32 says, From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. Now, if you go and look up that word near or at hand in some versions, it always means close proximity. It doesn't mean 5,000 years from now. You just... I, you don't, unless right here, every other place it means near, but here it means a long time, but it doesn't. What's the analogy he's using? The fig tree and summer is coming. You're talking about days, right? Maybe, a, maybe some weeks, <laughs> right? Verse 34 says, truly, I say to you, this generation Oh, sorry, I'm verse 33. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. So when you see this stuff happening, right, you should be able to kind of see some of these things happening, right? Israel surrounded by armies, okay? That's a big, big clue right there. Then what do you need to do? Know that the time is near right at the gates. Verse 34, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Wait, this generation. Now, you could expand a generation out to say 40 years, maybe even 60. Let's push it to 80 years. Folks, this is 2,000 years ago. Okay, many generations are long gone. Now, some people will say, no, when he says this generation, he's he means the generation that he's talking about. Two problems with that. Number uh, one is one is contextual, 
Um, the other is kind of audience related, right? The audience related, he says, you, truly I say to you, the people he's talking to, this generation. I mean, if he's now shifting to a future generation, long time in the future, these people sitting here listening to him say this on the Mount of, of Olives are going to be absolutely clueless. I mean, what is he talking about? What's going on? We have no idea. The second, which makes no sense, because the whole thing, he's talking about them. They were asking, when are these things going to be? He's talking to them. You need to flee. You need to watch out. You don't be um, pulled away by these false Christs and stuff that are, that are going to happen before this event takes place. <clears throat> right? And then he says, this generation shall not pass. Now, the second thing is contextual, and I'm not a major, you know, biblical uh, lexical scholar or anything, but my understanding is if you go and you look up this phrase, this generation, every other place where Matthew uses this, he's talking about the generation right there in front of Jesus. Those people in their, you know, from 20 to 80, call it, all right? Uh, pretty compelling that this was going to happen soon or near them, that audience. Okay? Now, verse 36, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, till the day of Noah, Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Two men in the field, one will be taken, one left. Two women grinding in the mill, one taken, one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you don't know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you don't expect. Right? Now, let's stop right there. <clears throat> if this is talking about this cataclysmic event sometime in the, in, in the distant future, there's been wars, earthquakes, famines, all this stuff. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to say, look at Israel, look at what's going on. Surely the coming of the Lord is soon. Because this says, you don't, you, he's coming when you don't expect. Wait, what? And I hear people. I hear people say, on one hand, like you just never know he can come at any time, and then on the other, on the other hand, I say you hear the same people say, "Oh man, he's coming soon because such and such happened in the news." Well, which is it? We can tell when it's going to happen, or we can't tell, right? I can't tell <laughs> because a lot of times people don't really step back and examine and think about their position, and look at the holes in their position, and look at other people's position and say, "Hey, you know what? Maybe maybe they got a point there." I, again, like to go to the Bible, let the Bible interpret the Bible. I don't want the New York Times, the Washington Post, or the um, the local Tribune or Sentinel or whatever paper um, dictate what I believe about the Bible. And verse 45 says, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will, will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant does to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drinks with drunkards, the master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him 
and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And he goes on in verse in chapter 25 about the, the parable of the of the virgins, the parable of the talents, all these things. Um but let's go back. He he sort of wraps up the discussion of the the destruction, the Jerusalem and the armies and all this. And he says, all these things, right? This generation will not pass away until all these things happen. Now, if you want to make the case that, well, when he goes to verse 36, he's shifting away from this destruction of Jerusalem to a different. Okay, I can, I, I hear that and let's discuss that. Um, Maybe it is, maybe it's not, but it doesn't have anything to do with all eyes on Jerusalem because after verse 35, right? He's not, he's talking about what happened with the days of Noah. He's talking about just be ready. You don't know when he's coming. He's talking about servants. He doesn't say anything about keep your eyes on Jerusalem. So why are people so intent that you got, when stuff happens in the Middle East, man, it, this is the end. I don't, I really don't know. <laughs> Is it is it is it Matthew twenty four? Uh, are there other places? I think there are other places. Uh, I think Zechariah is is one of the places. But again, there's things there where you can go through line by line like this and, and and look at the Bible in context. Look at the audience. Look at the time indicators. Right, the audience indicators. You will see. You will do this. This. A lot of people just discount all of that. Well, who cares that he's saying you, you guys that I'm talking to, you? Why not say? They will need to flee. They will need to whatever. He keeps saying you, 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 you. That is super confusing. And and frankly, isn't that a little bit deceptive if he's saying you need to do this, but he really means not you? I'm saying you, but I mean not you. Right? This generation shall not pass. I mean, oh, but I really mean this generation that I'm talking about in the future prophetically, but I didn't want anybody to tell anybody. I mean, again, I think the audience indicators are big. I think the time indicators are big. This generation shall not pass. I think the prox is it prox proximal proximal indicators are pretty big. Hey, you want to escape this thing? Get out of Judea. Just go to the mountains. You'll be all right. I think all of these things seem to indicate that what Jesus is talking about is that he he prophesied accurately that Jerusalem and the temple would be destroyed within what? Let's call it 40 years. A generation, forty years. Well, we're talking, we're talking thirties, right? He's when he's prophesying this, thirty A.D., thirty-three A.D., whatever. If a generation is forty years, that generation, people in that generation were absolutely alive when the temple was destroyed in seventy A.D. He prophesied it, and it happened just like he said. And my understanding. Uh, from the little bit of historical knowledge I have on this, is that the the Romans structured their their fires and their and their kind of their engineering of warfare, so that when they lit the fires for the temple, it was like a bomb going off, and it literally was the stone just boom. I mean, there was not one stone left on another. I mean, that place was decimated. Uh, so Jesus prophesied accurately. And I do believe that we should pray for the peace of Israel. I believe we should pray for the peace of 
Russia and Ukraine. I believe we should pray for peace in the earth because I believe the people of God should be looking for God to rule and reign, for Jesus Christ to rule and reign in the earth. And there should be peace and harmony. And we should uh, exhibit things like love toward one another. And we should implement the, the law of God, the law of Christ in the earth. That's why I think we should pray for Israel. Not because I think, oh my goodness, this is the end time. This is the last days. I don't have to think this is the last days. I know it's the last days. Okay? But what does that mean? We've been in the last days since the day of Pentecost, according to Peter. Those are the last days. And that's where you got to start asking, last days of what? When they say those words, last days, what do they mean? We tend to think cataclysmic, Mad Max, end of the world, everything's going to melt and be destroyed. Maybe they were thinking the last days of this age when you've got this temple worship system going on and it's going to be completely annihilated and turned over and we're going to go into the lord is the temple right um so i think we should pray i think we should seek uh the good of mankind and, and we should seek peace and we should pray that people come to god through this not just because oh my goodness we may not be here in a week but oh my goodness this is the world we live in it's terrible there's war there's death there's famine hey come to jesus christ all times, any times, every time. That, 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 that should be the case. And when it comes to eschatology, we can agree to disagree if you don't see things my way. But what we should all be leaning toward is a world where the people of God, under the rule and kingship of Jesus Christ, are implementing his reign and rule in the earth. If we can get behind that, I'm with you. Come on, let's go. You believe something a little bit different, you know, about eschatology, the book of Revelation or Matthew 24? Fine, whatever. Uh, but as long as we are taking that gospel and not just saying, oh, let's just hide in a cave and be saved, but let's take the gospel. Let's be saved. Oh, yeah, of course. Let's come into the kingdom, John 3, 3 through 5. But let's uh, actually look at it like a kingdom. Let's obey the Great Commission that says, go and make disciples of the nations. All right? Let's go out there and do that for Jesus Christ. So, hope this has been helpful. Definitely uh, like, subscribe, like the video, comment, and reach out if you'd like to hear a little bit more, if there's specific topics or questions you might have. It's already going over 45 minutes, and so I don't want to go any further. Didn't really get into like the Antichrist and stuff like that, but maybe we'll do that uh, at another time if people are interested. Otherwise, uh, we'll just keep rocking and rolling with different things we've got on the agenda. Love y'all. God bless you. And we will catch you right here with your life, God's word. See you on the next podcast.